we're reading a book in the Old Testament called Daniel. And that chapter of history in the time frame of the world happened about 2,500 years ago. And as we read that, I'm sure you're wondering from time to time, what's that got to do with us? Lord willing, our goal is reading this book, that we're trying to make it as relevant as we can to today's time and age. Chapter 1 was talking about uh, the indoctrination of our children. People are still trying to do that today. Chapter 2 was talking about uh, threats of a very strong dictator, and that stuff still goes on today. Chapter 3 was talking about a trial, about uh, peer pressure and idolatry, and that stuff still goes on today. And today, chapter 4 is talking about the conversion of a leader. I pray we can stay, that stuff still goes on today. Amen? So as we read chapter 4, my goal is to make this as relevant as possible to today's time. Chapter 4 is a letter Nebuchadnezzar is writing to all his subjects. And at that time, basically, he was ruler of the known world. And he was writing to all the subjects and all the lands and all the countries that he conquered. And this particular chapter is different because the whole chapter, other than the first three verses, is written in the first person. This is a personal letter. We just happen to call it chapter 4. And he's going to write his subjects about his conversion experience, which is pretty cool. So what happens, and I want to read this, is what happens if this would be a current president writing this letter with these words, would you be shouting from a mountaintop? I hope so. Amen? Okay, so let's open up this <clears throat> particular chapter. Starts in chapter 4, and I'm going to just read this introductory phase. This is the first three verses. <clears throat> and then I'd like to make some comments. So I'm in Daniel 4. I'm just going to read 1 through 3. <coughs> Nebuchadnezzar the king, unto all people, nations, languages, that dwelt in all the earth... Peace be multiplied unto you. I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is everlasting, an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. Nebuchadnezzar is writing all his subjects and saying, listen, God got a hold of me. And he shook me, and he threw me down, and he gave me a new heart. And I want to share that good news with you. I want to share all the miracles, all the signs, all the wonders that he did on me. And I want you to know about Jehovah God. I know in time past, we've pushed many gods, but no more. Can you imagine if President Biden wrote a letter like that? Can you imagine that? Nebuchadnezzar 
as we read his account, starting at verse 4, is going to go through some crazy things. He is absolutely going to lose his mind. And then after a period of time, it says seven seasons. I don't know what a season is. I don't know if it's seven months or seven years. I'm not sure, but it's after seven seasons. Finally, he regains his mind. Let's pretend we got a president and he's lost his cognitive abilities. And all of a sudden he became clear-headed and articulate and could talk to us without a monitor. Okay? Can you imagine such a thing? Wouldn't that be amazing? You're giggling. This is relevant. Amen? And all of a sudden he had this massive conversion. And not only did he say, you know what? I am not a God and my rules and my decrees don't mean anything. The only thing matters is Jehovah God and his rules and his decrees. And all of a sudden he started governing like he was fearing the Lord Jehovah. And instead of ruling arbitrarily, he started ruling in a righteous manner. Now, you're going to accuse me to go, to go meddling right now, and I'm going to say guilty. I want you to realize that this is something we can learn and apply today. What if all of a sudden he had this conversion experience, and there was the past king, and now our current king of America? Let's pretend he tried to prosecute the people that tore up Minneapolis, Portland, San Francisco, Chicago, and Washington with the same tenacity as he is prosecuting the people that did Washington, D.C. Would that make you feel a little more comfortable and trust the president a little bit better? What if he mandated the same vaccine requirements for the people flooding the southern border as he does our own firemen and our health workers? Would that make you feel a little more comfortable about the president? What if he promoted medical treatments that had patents just as strongly as the one that didn't have patents? Would that make you feel a little bit better about him? What if he invested in his son's international dealings just as strong as he did the past president? Would that make you feel a little bit better? What if he promoted the office of father? What if he promoted the sanctity of life because he feared Lord Jehovah God? Do you think America would be a happier place? Would you be a happier place? Who wouldn't want a king like that? Some people don't want a king like that. Who? Who? Well, it turns out that there was people in Nebuchadnezzar day that didn't want a Nebuchadnezzar that feared God Jehovah. Who were those people? They were advisors, the astrologers, the magicians, the Chaldeans. This, is, this, this book is relevant. So as we read chapter 4, this is just not some history event that happened 2,500 years ago. This is something we can learn from. Amen? All right. So let's go read Nebuchadnezzar's account. <clears throat> okay? So it starts here in chapter 4 in verse 4. I think that's about as political as I'm going to get, so you can relax. I know some of you. All right? I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house 
and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Does this kind of sound like deja vu? Yeah, it does, doesn't it? We're right back to chapter 1 and chapter 2, huh? Chapter 2. Therefore, I made a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Nebuchadnezzar, what's wrong with you? You've been there through this for, you tried that a thing again, and it didn't work. Why are you doing the same thing again? Daniel wasn't his first call. Verse 7, Then came the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, And I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master magician, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. I want you to stop right here. <clears throat> He's in a panic. He, he, he saw another dream. He has no idea what it means. All he knows is it's made him scared. Okay? So just like the first time, he, he, he calls his advisors, and just like the first time they came, and just like the first time they left him high and dry. So he said, okay, I'm going to try the Jewish boy. So he gets Daniel to come on in there, and Daniel is able to help him out the first time, and Daniel's able to help him out the second time. Now, now again, I've got to give Bel- or, uh, Nebuchadnezzar a little bit of credit. Really, between chapter 2 and chapter 4, it's, it's, it's a long period of time. You know, we read the chapters, and we think they're one after another. This is actually pretty close to the end of his life, Okay? He's got a reign, and it lasted uh, several decades. And what happened in chapter 2 is near the beginning of his reign, and chapter 4 is near the end of his reign. So he forgot, but, you know, maybe about 40 years went by. The other thing is, is Daniel's not this young, pup, pimple-faced teenager that he was in chapter 2. And in chapter 4, he's a very seasoned, elderly, experienced politician. And I don't call him a politician like we know politicians. He's just been in... He's just seasoned, and he's been around a little bit, okay? So, so that's where we're at. But the other thing is, I, there's a phrase here, and he keeps referring to Daniel as, in whom is the spirit of the holy God's little G-S on the end. Nebuchadnezzar has come a long ways, okay? Remember in the first time he says, I'm going to kill you all? This time he didn't say, I'm going to kill you all. And the first time he says, I'm not telling you the dream, this time he told him the dream. So he's starting to come along, but he's still got a ways to go in his conversion experience. Yes? And, and he's still got this mindset of thinking of polytheistic gods, and he's got to a place where when he started off, he wanted nothing to do with Israel or Judah's God, but now he's to a place where I can put Judah's God in line with all those other gods. He's got them all lined up, and he says, that's okay. And I was sitting there trying to think, what in my experience could I do to try to relate where Nebuchadnezzar is right now? And the only thing I can think of right now is I got to go back to my Catholic experience. 
Now, again, as I do this, I'm not making fun of Catholics. I'm just sharing you something that I think is kind of a parallel. As you know, I was raised Roman Catholic as a little boy, and I did all the things I did what I was supposed to do in grade school. And I, I went along, and, and all of a sudden, I started reading my Bible in my 20s. And all of a sudden, it hit me. You know, why would I pray through saints, or why would I pray through Mary when I can pray through the big guy right to the straight other end? It'll cut out all the middlemen. You understand? So I started sharing with some of my Catholic friends and family as I was questioning my faith. And I said, I don't want to pray through saints anymore. I don't want to pray through Mary. I want to go right through Jesus. And they said, okay, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Go ahead. But they still prayed through Mary. It's okay for you, but I like praying through Mary. Well, that's kind of where Nebuchadnezzar is right now. He's looking at Daniel. He understands some of the great thing that Daniel does. And he'll say, okay, Daniel, you can do this, but I still like praying through Mary. No, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't playing through Mary. He was playing through his little gods, little G's. So as he's referring to Daniel, he still does not have the concept that there is a one God, the God, Jehovah God, the only God. He's still got this idea where there's a whole bunch of them. Praise the Lord at the end of chapter 4, he's going to fix that notion. Okay, that's all going to get fixed. But right now, he's still that. So when he's talking to Daniel, he uses this phrase, in whom the spirit of the holy gods. My friends, that's not who is telling Daniel to interpret the dreams. It's the Holy Spirit of the holy God that's telling him what to do. He just hadn't had that figured out. He'll get there. And we're going to notice what it takes to get him there. Okay? This is just not some historical event that happened 25 years ago. We can pray for this right now. Okay? Okay, so I'm in Daniel 4. Let's keep on going. Now I'm in verse 10. Thus were the vision. Okay, <coughs> let, let me tell you where, where we're at. First of all, Nebuchadnezzar starts this chapter and he says, I, I had my conversion experience and I want to tell you all about that conversion experience. And he's rehearsing the whole thing. The first thing he does is he shares the part where he had a dream in the middle of the night and he called everybody in and now Daniel's coming and now he's going to tell Daniel what the dream is. Okay, so here's the dream that troubled him in the middle of the night. This is all part of his conversion experience. There were the visions in my head, um, in my bed. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to end the all of the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof were much. And it was meat for all, and the beast of the field shadowed under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and the flesh was fed of it. I saw in my vision on my head and upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and holy one came down from heaven. And he cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree, cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, and scatter his fruit. Let the beast get away from underneath it, and the fowl from the branches. Okay, Imagine you, you're laying on your bed, and you have this nightmare, okay? And you'll probably think, well, I just ate too much Mexican food last night. Or, or, or maybe I watched a movie that kind of sent, I, I don't know what you're thinking. 
But he didn't have Mexican food. He didn't have television. He didn't have internet. He has this dream, and it's got him shook up. What does this mean? This great big tree is expansive, it's tall, it's strong. It's providing shadow for, for, animal, for, every, for many. It's providing shelter for many. It's feeding many. And all of a sudden, someone comes down and chops it down. What is this dream? Okay. Verse 15. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass, in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the grass of the earth, and let his heart be changed from man's, and let it a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by degrees of the watchers, and the demand of the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth to whosoever he will, and setteth up over it at the basis of men. (coughs) This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen it. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able... For the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Okay, He's still mixed up, right? And he gets this dream and he understands that there's a great tree, but all of a sudden the tree is made to nothing. And he said, God, what is this? I know it's got something to do with me, but I'm afraid what this means. Okay? And he says, Nebuchadnezzar, my advisors, they're useless. They were useless before, and they're useless again. And I know, I know God is with you. He doesn't understand which God, but he knows God's with him. He's got, he, he got to help me out. Okay? All right, let's keep on going. Now I'm in verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished, astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. See, the first time Nebuchadnezzar came to him, he got... And he went and he had to pray all night and he had, to, he, he had a prayer meeting and, he, and it came to him in the middle of the night. This time he was told to dream and he knew what it meant flat out. Okay? But he was a scared, as my kids used to say when they were small. Because he knew what it meant. And he's, I'm afraid to tell Nebuchadnezzar. He was scared. And for an hour he wouldn't say anything. And here's Nebuchadnezzar looking at Daniel, and he knows Daniel, and he's looking at this worried look in his face. And finally, and we'll read it in a second, he says, he says, Daniel, tell me what it says. I can take it. Let it fly. Don't worry. Just tell me. I'm not going to shoot the messenger. That was his pattern in the past. He's, I'm there with you. There's been a little bit of conversion. Okay. I'm still in verse 19. The king spake and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation thereof of thine enemies. (coughs) The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto heaven and the sight thereof to all the earth, whose leaves were fair and the fruit thereof much 
And in it was meat for all under which the beast of the fields dwelt and whose branches the fowls of the heaven had their habitation. It is thou, O king. King, you're the tree. This great, big, strong, expansive thing that feeds people, that protects people, that feeds people, that's you. Right then I'm going to be going, oh, that's me. That's pretty good, right? That art grown and become strong, for thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven and all thy dominion to the earth. So, so right now, he's, Daniel, what were you afraid of telling me that for? That's good news. Daniel goes, but I ain't done yet. Let me tell you the rest of it. <clears throat> Verse 23, and whereas as the king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven saying, hew the tree down and destroy it. See, this is where Daniel's getting a little worried. He's not worried about God. He's not worried about the interpretation. He's worried about Nebuchadnezzar's reaction to the interpretation. Yet leave the stump of the roots thereof in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. (coughs) (coughs) Nebuchadnezzar, this tree's you. And you're great, and you're powerful, and you're wide and widespreading, and your overreach is phenomenal. But you're going to get cut down, and you're going to get bound with iron, and you're going to wallow in the dirt, in the grass, with animals. You're going to get humbled. Because God wants you to know that it's not your kingdom It's my kingdom. You're simply the man I picked to be the king. Remember, what's God doing? God is humbling Nebuchadnezzar. And sometimes that's what it takes to humble us. Okay? Verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king, And this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon the Lord thy king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee as the dew of heaven. Seven times shall pass over thee, till I know (coughs) that the Most High ruleth the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree of the roots, the kingdom shall be sure unto thee after thou hast known that the heavens do rule. You know what Daniel's saying? You are going to be brought low, but you're not going to be totally destroyed. You're going to be brought low until you figure out who God is. And when you figure out who God is, you're going to be restored to your position. How many of you would say, I'm converted? Right? I get it. But he's still kind of full of himself. Verse 27. Wherefore, O king, let thy counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off the sins of thy righteousness and thine iniquities, and showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Now listen. If you repent, you can delay this penalty. 
If you humble yourself and you start obeying God and live righteously and taking care of the poor, you can delay the execution of the sentence. But here is the sentence and this is what's going to happen to you because God's saying, I need you to get to a point where you realize you did not make this kingdom. I made the kingdom and I simply chose you to be my man in the kingdom. I think that applies to America today. What if our leaders figured out it wasn't their nation? It was God's nation. They simply were chosen to lead the nation for a time, but these leaders are still subject to God and God's will. Wouldn't you like to live in America like that? Wouldn't you like to live in a Babylon like that? I would. Okay. Okay, so I'm still Daniel 4. Let's go to verse 28. And all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar, and at the end of 12 months he walked in the palace of his kingdom. The king spake and said, Is not this the great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the power of my might and for the hour of my majesty? Daniel came to him, gave him the interpretation of the dream. He says, if you can live righteously and live humbly, the penalty can be delayed. And you know what? He kept his pride in check for about 12 months. But then he got up one day, and he was walking through his palace, which is an incredible palace. I've read some of the history on that, how big the palace was, how the walls were. They had three layers of walls. The walls were so thick you could run four chariots abreast. They had the hanging gardens, which is one of the seven wonders of the world. In those gardens there were apartments and air conditioning systems. Unbelievable the science, unbelievable the skyline, unbelievable how stuffed his treasuries were with gold and silver. And he's walking on his palace and he says this thing and the me monster got a hold of him. Right? I have built by my power and by my majesty. And God says, wrong thing to say, Nebuchadnezzar. Right? Daniel said, if you can remain righteous and humble, I'm going to delay this thing. No, before the words completely got out of his mouth, that curse that was told went into effect. Just then. Got it? God has a breaking point. Amen? So, the me monster got... Now, 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 now let's think about it. Let's think what the promise was. Nebuchadnezzar got to a place where he's, he's just full of himself. And what's God's objective? God's objective is to get him to a place where he realized Jehovah God is the God, the only God, and his will is the only one that matters. That the only reason he's in his place is because God picked him to be in that office. And when he gets to that perspective, he can start executing righteousness and judgment, realizing he is submissive to God. Okay? So, this is where we're at. So, the question is, is how long will he be wrestling gra- or eating grass? Living with the animals? Soaking wet from the dew? Till he figures it out. 
Verse 31. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. Not forever, till you figure it out. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be the beast of the field. They shall make thee to eat grasses, oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee. Again, I don't know if that's seven years or seven full moons. I, I don't know what the seasons are. But seven seasons go by. Until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to him whomsoever he will. Nebuchadnezzar, you need to go through a a purging process. Right now you think this is your kingdom. It's mine. And you got to get to a point where you got to get your head on right. And once you get head on right, I'll give you the kingdom back. But right now you're not there. Okay? Verse 33. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like bird's claws. I think I've shared this with you before. Every January, for the last 13 years, I've been praying at the State of the Union Press that our king would be up there in front of the nation and we'd see a feather pop out from underneath the cuff of his sleeve. I prayed that. Okay. I'm going to do it again this January. I would pray that we're going to read this conversion. He would come to his right mind. Amen? He would have clarity. He would be articulate. And he would espouse the things of God. Wouldn't you like to live in America like that? Verse 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. You know what? He's got his head on right now, right? But but let's go back. What is chapter 4 about? Chapter 4 is Nebuchadnezzar writing all the subjects of his kingdom. And he's telling about the humble place that he'd been by Jehovah God. And he says, I want all my subjects to understand who the God is I serve. I mean, this is the guy that built an eight-story golden statue saying, that's me. Worship that guy. He's, I missed the boat. What a humble experience just to write this thing. And he's finally got to a place. Now, now, when I see this, this the, the, my understanding returned unto me. Now, I think he's talking about his mental capacity and a secular capacity. 
Because when I read that phrase, I cannot help but reading about the younger prodigal son. Yes? Remember, he came to himself? Well, when it says he came to himself, it's almost like an implication. He knew it was right. He walked away from God, and he came back to the place, and he says, oh yeah, I get it. Nebuchadnezzar says he returned to himself. I think that was a mental capacity, but right now his heart's been changed, and I think now he has a spiritual capacity. And he says, I get it. He says, I get it. God is everything, and men are nothing. Whoa. A president comes out, has a State of the Union, and makes that statement. Do you think the politicians in Washington would be saying, Amen? Do you think Hollywood would be going, Amen? Do you think our sports industry would be going, Amen? Do you think the business, the pharmaceutical companies would be going, Amen? Do you think the little people would be going, Amen? I think so, right? The inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. God doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say to him, what doest thou? God, I don't like the way you're doing things. God, you're not fair. God, if you're really a God of love, these bad things wouldn't be happening. Nebuchadnezzar said, we can't talk like that. What if our king made those kind of statements? Pretty good stuff, huh? A couple more verses. Verse 36. At the same time, my reason returned unto me. Boy, is that an understatement, right? And the glory of my kingdom, mine honor, and brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent <coughs> majesty was added unto me. Now, I realize there's a lot of me's in there, but his perspective is, is this is the stewardship he's been given. He's in charge of it, but now he knows he's subject to his Lord because he's just the steward. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the honor of the king of heaven. No more little G's, no more S on the end of gods, no more statues, obelisks, totem poles, whatever the shape was. No more of that stuff. There's one God, Jehovah God. All whose works are truth and his ways judgment and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. That is a lesson that passes throughout the whole New Testament. Shows up several times in Luke, shows up in James, and shows up in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. I got the verse here. Let me look it up. I don't want to misquote it. I want to go to 1 Peter 5.5. 5. <clears throat> Let me get that. I'm turning there right now. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed in humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. You know what the bottom line is? The way up is down and the way down is up. I know that sounds like doublespeak, but we're talking about pride. 
The way down, exalt yourself. The way up, humble yourself. Let God do the exalting. And Nebuchadnezzar finally got to a place where he got it. The only bad thing was it was near the end of his reign. We got people of all age in here. Josiah, I hope you don't have to wait till your 60s to figure it out. The way up is down, the way down is up. I pray you figured this out as a young man. So, with that being said, I titled this message, The Felling of a Tree. We're trees. Amen? We've got to keep ourselves low. And if we exalt ourselves, God will bring us low. Because he's going to get us to a place where we look at him and we realize his sovereignty, his rule. And anything that we do have is not by our might, it's by his might. And he had the grace to show me. We don't ask ourselves, we don't elect ourselves, we don't choose ourselves. He does the choosing. And we just say, yes, sir, how do you want me to fulfill this office? Thank you, sir. May the Lord bless you. And read chapter 5 because it gets better.